My name is Ty French, and this is my podcast. That's why it's called the Ty French Podcast. Well, hello, hello, hello. What is up, you guys? I cannot even believe that I'm sitting here doing this right now, but I'm so excited. I'm so nervous, but you know what? I am so ready. I'm so ready for this new adventure. And a lot of you guys were asking, why a podcast? Why now? What would what made me think of doing this? And let's be honest, I have to give all the credit to two of my best friends, JC and Chelsea over at the What We Said podcast. Um, I'm sure that's literally the only reason that any of you guys are listening to this <laughs> is because that's the only reason you know who the heck I am. But um, I have watched them start and grow with the What We Said podcast over the last four years. And I'm just so inspired by them constantly. What they have created over there is so amazing, so entertaining. And if you if you haven't listened to their podcast, you need to stop listening to mine immediately and go listen to theirs first. <laughs> I've been a guest on their podcast a few different times, and every time I go on it, it is just so freaking fun. And JC and Chelsea have been pushing me to express myself more in this space. And you know what? This is the year I'm doing it. I'm taking the leap, and I'm just going for it. So obviously, I'm very new to this whole podcasting thing. Being, let me tell you, being a guest on a podcast versus starting your own are two very different things. Uh, I thought that it was going to be easy breezy. You know, you set up the mic, you start recording. Wow, let me tell you, I have been putting so much work into this and I have tried to record this first episode 10 different times because... (laughs) As you might have noticed, I don't have a guest on this episode, and I'm literally just sitting alone in my room talking to myself. And so, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a learning curve for sure. So that being said, I'm so thankful for your guys' patience and support and love as I learn my way around this new adventure. There's definitely gonna be a lot of trial and error, I'm sure. And I don't really have like a niche I'm trying to fill or like a certain topic I always want to cover. Honestly, I'm taking this one episode at a time and I just think it's going to be so fun to have another platform to connect with all of you guys on. To be super honest, I have been so insecure lately. I don't know about any of you guys, but I feel like I used to be so confident and expressive on social media. It used to just be so fun for me. And many of you know what I'm referring to when if I talk about the DMV or my struggles with UPS, blah, blah, blah. But I felt myself, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have noticed as well, that recently I have pulled back a lot on what I choose to share or post, or I don't really talk that much on stories. I'm very selective with when and how I show my personality on social media. Lately, I've just been super curated and more about aesthetics. And I'm really hoping that this podcast really pulls me out of this rut that I'm in. And I'm hoping it lights a little fire under my tushy. I want to let go. I want to be myself. I want to laugh. I want to chat. Everyone in my life who knows me knows that I literally never shut up. I love to talk, whether it's about super serious things because Lord knows I can get very passionate when I really believe in something or whether it's about reality TV, which I am also very passionate to talk about. If you want to talk about RuPaul's Drag Race, I will go on for hours. If you want to talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I could do a whole separate podcast series just on that. 
whatever the topic is, I just love to talk. So creating this podcast just felt like such a natural progression in my career. Speaking of career, a lot of you guys asked when I post a Q&A, like, what is my career and how do I make money? What's my job? I always think that's like, I always get kind of taken back by that question because I thought it was super obvious that I'm a quote unquote Instagram influencer. Obviously, if you guys are here, you guys probably follow me and or lurk on my page and you guys see the content that I create for brands. Honey, I ain't doing this for free. I am getting a check. Those are paying my bills. So <laughs> I I put so much energy into my Instagram and creating work that's inspiring for you guys. And I love creating beautiful ads for brands that I love and that I truly use. I'm super blessed and I'm so grateful that I've been able to, you know, do this as my job and to make a living off of this for the last six years here in LA. I look at myself as more than just a quote unquote Instagram influencer. And I'm sure every Instagram influencer says the same spiel, but I don't know. I look at myself as more of a creator. Um, I have the photography background and I try to make content that is super inspiring and beautiful and artistic and not, I just, I don't know. I get the term Instagram influencer has been so cringy for me for so long, probably because I've had people in my life that have made me feel dumb for that being my career, but <laughs> that's a whole other story for another day. As we all know, Instagram has changed so much. And with all these changes and reels and TikTok, I don't know. I feel myself getting kind of lost in the shuffle. I don't know how all you guys feel. I know everything that just kind of came out with Instagram and Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian posting that meme that's going around and the CEO of Instagram finally responding. And now it's being posted that Instagram's kind of pulling back on the TikTok style feed. So we will we will see how things evolve over the next year. But still with the shift towards these like TikTok style videos and reels and all of this, I feel myself getting so lost. I just turned 26 a few weeks ago. Happy birthday to me. It was so fun, by the way. I rented a huge like dolphin sightseeing tour boat thing and me and like 40 of my closest friends went and just raged on this boat in the open sea. We saw so many dolphins. Obviously, I blacked out. I don't remember the last like 45 minutes of the boat. Unfortunately, I left my phone on the boat. So I didn't get it back to like 10 p.m. that night because there was another tour after us. It was it, it was a long day. Let's just say that. <laughs> Anyways, besides the point, I just turned 26 and I'm determined that this year is going to be my most productive year yet. These last few years have gotten swept up. I went through a breakthrough a few years ago that just like really hurt my soul. That sounds so dramatic, but it set me back a, a lot in just my like confidence and my goals and what I was choosing to give my energy to. Then we went through COVID and all of that crap. And kind of as we've returned to normal life after COVID, I have for sure noticed that I've been giving my goals kind of the backseat to my social life and to going out and partying and I was in the house for two years and not seeing anyone or going to bars or whatever and so now this last year that we've been out I've just been I'm a yes man I've been yes 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 let's go out let's rage let's go on this trip let's do this blah 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 blah. and I've, I've just not been hustling I've I've been living life which is great don't get me wrong I've had so much fun but I'm definitely ready to get back into the hustle this is the year of the hustle ladies what am I, J-Lo in the freaking, is, is that her movie called Hustle? I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited to see what grows out of this year. Let's just say that. So I realized that a lot of you guys that are listening are OGs, OG followers. You guys have been with me through a lot of stuff <laughs> and, you know, a lot of my story, a lot of my background, where I'm from. And 
I also realized that, especially since, like I said, I haven't been as vocal lately on social media and I haven't been super open. If you're new around here, you probably don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about my story or where I'm from. So I kind of thought I would take this first episode to just fully introduce myself to all of y'all and how I got to this point in my life. So first off, hi, I'm Ty French. <laughs> Ty French is my actual name, and that might sound so dumb to say, but you would be surprised at how many times people DM me thinking that this is just like a username or a stage name or that my name is Ty and I'm from France or I actually speak French or I don't know. But Ty is short for Tyson, not Tyler. I Growing up, I never went by Ty as a kid. I actually hated it because I hated when people thought that my name was Tyler for some reason. My family still calls me Tyson, and a lot of my long-term friends from before this L.A. life and before Instagram and all of this call me Tyson still. But I mean, they go by Ty now in my L.A. life, and that's how I introduce myself to new people and for work. And it's just easier with all my handles being Ty French, except for Twitter, RIP. On Twitter, I am at Ty French with an underscore at the end. I've tried everything I can to get just Ty French, but there's this girl, there's this real estate agent on Twitter whose name is Ty French, and she she got it before me, RIP. I don't know how. She's, like, not active, but whenever I've reached out to Twitter to try and get that username, it says that she's, like, logged in within the last two years or whatever, so I'm basically screwed out of luck. So Ty French, the real estate agent, if you are listening to this, please give me the username on Twitter. Anyways, I have eight people in my immediate family, my two parents who are still married, three sisters, and two brothers. I am the fourth child. So I have two older sisters, an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. So I've got it all. I've got every experience in the book. I can relate to whatever. <laughs> Pretty much all of my siblings, other than my youngest sister, are married. And all of them have kids except for the three youngest, me, my younger brother, and my younger sister. But my younger brother, he's going to have a kid any day now, probably. So yeah, if you wonder how that makes me feel, it's not very great. <laughs> Like when your younger siblings start to get married before you, it's not that I'm like wanting to be married right now. It's just a big wake up call. Nothing makes you feel lonelier than being the only single one left out of your six siblings. And you're not the youngest. <laughs> Obviously, one of the first things that someone asks you when you meet them is like, oh, hi, where are you from? And for me, that question is not really a simple answer. I never know what to say. So I'm just going to give you the full spiel. So I was born in Payson, Utah, but I moved around my whole life. And yes, Utah. Yes, I grew up Mormon. We'll dive deeper into that. <laughs> right after I was born, we moved to Kansas City, Kansas. And then we quickly moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I lived there for a few years. I went to kindergarten there. And then I moved back to Utah to Provo, land of the Mormons. <laughs> after that, we moved to Orem. Then after that, we moved to Alpine when I was in fifth grade. And at this time, my dad had his own construction company. And when the economy collapsed, it was obviously one of the first things to go. <laughs> no one was building houses. No one was buying houses. Everyone was broke. So uh, that being said, we were just in the middle of building this huge house in Alpine and we literally lost everything. I grew up pretty well off and I was used to a very comfortable lifestyle. My dad did pretty well. And God bless my parents. My parents did literally everything that they could to keep things as normal as possible for my siblings and I. They wanted us to stay in the same schools. They wanted us to go to the same church still, all of that. But to put it into perspective, my neighborhood was like the Beverly Hills of Utah Valley. <laughs> Huge houses, nice cars, 
my next door neighbor was like a gold medal Olympian who had just built his house for him and his wife. And it was ginormous. It had like nine bedrooms. It was insane. We, our house overlooked like all of Utah Valley. It was so gorgeous. I, <laughs> I look back and I'm like, wow, I really took that for granted because I did not know what was about to happen to me. Next thing I know, my mom is working at Walmart and we are on food stamps. Let me tell you, that is not a good feeling. All of a sudden, I was like the poor person in in my school. And it, it was such a weird feeling for me. Not that anyone else probably even noticed because who notices who's rich or poor in seventh grade, especially when everyone around you is rich. That's just all you know. But I definitely felt the difference. So my dad had just turned 40 and neither of my parents had a degree. And literally at this point, no one was hiring. Like the economy was in the gutter. So what did my dad do? He joins the army, joins the army at 40 years old when he has six kids. I I don't know. I mean, you know, they were trying to just do anything that they could to get a check. I think it was like, then if you're the kid of someone who's in the army, you like can get into better schools, you can get financial aid, we would have a health insurance still. And so he really, it was like a last stitch effort to try and just keep our life as normal as possible. He went away to basic training and it was just my mom taking care of us six kids. It was crazy. Like the world that I knew it had literally flipped upside down. One moment we're building this ginormous house in Alpine. I'm supposed to have like my own laundry room and there's like three staircases and all this whatever to like six months later, my mom works at Walmart and my dad's in the army, like shipped away. Like it, I, I, I haven't seen him in months. It was so crazy. Then days before graduating at basic training, my dad breaks his hip, medically discharged. Could anything worse habit. Like it, it was just this like series of unfortunate events for my family during this time, as I'm sure it was for a lot of families, but it, it just felt like, wow, when it rains, it pours. So when he came back to Utah after we literally had no other choice, but to move to Scottsdale, Arizona, <laughs> my mom, my three sisters and I moved in with my aunt, uncle and their two kids. And my dad and my two brothers moved into my grandparents' house in Phoenix, like 30 minutes away because there was eight of us. We couldn't all fit and we we couldn't afford rent. We needed some place to live and we couldn't like, who's going to be like, oh, sure. You and your six kids can come live with us. Like, no, no one has that much extra room in their house, even if they're well off. So we had to split up. We all went to different schools. We were in like different school districts. And I literally am not exaggerating when I say I slept on a camping cot in my cousin's bedroom. I was at this point, I'm in eighth grade. And my cousin was literally in like fourth grade. And if he's listening to this, probably not. Or if his mom is, sorry, but he was such a freaking turd, like such an ass. And he had just gotten a brand new baby puppy German Shepherd. I'll get into this a lot later, but I'm not a dog person. I, I, and this is maybe why, honestly, because of this experience alone, it was just a nightmare. The dog would constantly chew up my shoes my laptop charger, my phone cord. Like it was a very humbling year. Let's just say that. Honestly, I kind of got the good end of the stick with the cot in my cousin's room because my mom and all of my sisters shared bunk beds in my cousin's playroom. Like literally bunk beds. My mom and one of my sisters shared a bed and then my other sister had the top bunk and then my other sister shared a bed with my girl cousin. It was literally insane. I can't even believe that it happened. I'm for sure so grateful that these years growing up happened and that they were so hard because I feel like it taught me so many life lessons. It really humbled me. It, it taught me like what really matters and money and about family. And obviously at the time I 
hated it. I was so pissed at my parents. But looking back and seeing all the sacrifices that they made, it is truly just a tale of how far parents go to support their families. Anyways, so then my mom gets lucky and gets a job at a university and her and my dad go back to school. You know, they got to find new career paths. My dad started as a janitor at BMW, kind of worked his way up, got better jobs here or there. And once they started making enough money, we moved into our own house in Gilbert, Arizona, because Gilbert, if you don't know about Gilbert, Gilbert is Utah part two. It is like everyone there is Mormon and my family just wanted us to be back in that lifestyle because obviously everyone in Utah was Mormon. In Scottsdale, I was the only Mormon at my school. It was just definitely a culture wake up of getting outside of the Mormon bubble. Though getting out of the bubble didn't last long because then we moved to Gilbert and that is just as big of a Mormon bubble as ever. So at this point, I'm in eighth grade. We moved in the middle of the school year over winter break. And let me tell you, moving each time was so traumatizing to me because growing up gay and in the closet, especially in the Mormon church, obviously not too easy. Um, I was in the closet, quote unquote, but let's be clear. Those, those closet doors were see-through. Everyone knew. I, I wore a bow tie, suspenders, a pink purple button-ups, fedoras to school every single day. Like I, I was being loud and proud without being loud and proud. <laughs> I didn't know I was being loud and proud. Well, I wasn't proud. I was being loud. I was the genie in Aladdin at the school play. I think I even played the evil stepsister in our school rendition of Cinderella. <laughs> I, I took dance class instead of PE. It was, it was obvious. Everyone who knows me in real life and that knew me growing up knew that it was very hard to censor me. It was very hard to push down the, the real Tyson and the real Ty French and this diva that lives within me. <laughs> Though my parents did force me to join the football team in seventh grade, thinking that that would help. And it didn't. Like, those boys treated me like shit. I remember that was obviously the most, like, mask I would ever wear. It's like, it would be, like, jersey days on game days or whatever. And so, like, all the guys would wear their football jerseys. I remember strutting through those halls with my spray-on skinny jeans and an ankle boot with my jersey thinking, ooh, I'm serving cunt. Ooh, that, ooh I'm so masked. I'm one of the boys. No. No, 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 no. I still got lunches thrown on me. I got, they broke into my locker. They would put moldy lunches in there and rude notes. It was traumatizing. And every time, finally, people would start to get bored of teasing me because after a few years, it's like, okay, we get it. Like, he's gay and like, we're only going to like call him faggot so many times or like throw food at him. Like, it's just getting boring. You know, they move on to a new subject. Then my family moves. And what happened when I moved? It would start all over again. Yay for me. A whole new school, new group of people. And remember back when you're like in middle school, high school, if there's a new kid and you're, you live in like a smallish town like Gilbert, everyone knows that there's a new kid. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to know like, what do you do? Are you in band? Are you in football? Are you cool? Are you not? Blah, 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 blah. And they always came to the conclusion that I was gay. They were right, but I didn't want them to come to that conclusion yet. <laughs> the bowling would just start all over again every time I moved, and I hated it. Luckily, my family stayed in Gilbert until right before my senior year, so I had time to really create a core group of friends, many of which I'm still best friends with today. Shout out Billy, shout out Kendall, shout out JC and Chelsea. I love you guys. Um, and the bowling definitely didn't stop, but it, I, I, I created such a core group of friends that really loved and supported me and I felt so comfortable around. Even if I wasn't out to them, I felt like 
I could just be myself and the bullying kind of became white noise after long enough. And this is when I found my love of photography. I started posting on Instagram and I had gotten my first camera for Christmas one year. I was so grateful because I knew that my parents could not afford it at all, but they did literally everything that they could to get it for me. Then that same year, my sister got married and my other sister graduated high school. And those were two of my first photo shoots ever because we were so broke. We couldn't afford to like hire a photographer for like her senior photos or for her wedding photos. And I just found such a love for documenting and shooting weddings and portraits and engagements. And I started shooting all of my sister's friends, senior portraits, and then like people that went to my church's weddings. And I just loved it so much. I started posting ads on Craigslist to do shoots for like $50. I remember my first paid family photo shoot was this like cute couple and their newborn baby. And I think I literally made like 20 bucks and they were like a random couple off of Craigslist. And I don't even think I had my driver's license at this time. So I think my mom like drove me to the shoot and like dropped me off. I was also working at Michael's craft store at this time and saving literally every single penny to turn around and put it back into my photography buying new cameras, lenses, computer editing software, creating a blog, all that jazz. But let me just tell you, so working at Michael's craft store was the only like job I've ever had where I worked for someone else, worked under someone. I hope I never have to do that again, but I slayed that Michael's craft store. Ooh, and that's kind of when I was like starting to get like a name for myself in the photo world, like within like our community, at least. I remember there'd be these Mormon moms like checking out at the craft store and I'd be like ringing them up and they'd be, they'd see my name tag and they'd be like, oh my gosh, are you the photographer, Ty French? And I'd be like, yeah, bitch, I work at the craft store. Eh." (laughs) I thought I was hot shit. Anyway, since I was literally like a sophomore in high school, I've been taking Instagram seriously. I would literally force my friends to go out and do photo shoots with me. That's all we did on the weekends. 10 years ago in high school, there was nothing in Gilbert, Arizona. There was nothing else to do. It was like all cornfields and it's so hot in Arizona that it was like, I don't know, on the weekends, literally me and my girlfriends would just go out and shoot cute photos. And this is before people, people didn't even know how to get photos from a camera onto your phone to then post on Instagram. So... The fact that I was doing that, at least like in my area, I feel like I was the only one posting like actual photography. So I kind of I kind of turned into the Instagrammer slash photographer of my school. I remember when I made it to 10K, that was like unheard of at the time. And I remember I was on spring break when I got my first 1000 likes, but I started shooting more and more. And eventually I turned it into a full time job. That's the good thing about being a wedding photographer in a Mormon community is there are so many freaking weddings and engagements. And Mormons are so cheap that because you're engaged for like two months. So your your parents aren't going to fork over like a hundred grand for a wedding. Like, sorry, no, your budget's like 20 grand. And I was 16. So my wedding prices were definitely a lot lower than like local actual photographers who like had mortgages and kids. And also not to say I was pretty good. Not to toot my own horn, but I learned very quick and I had my own distinct style, my own editing style and like the way that I approach things. And I hustled my butt off. I watched YouTube videos every day on how to like learn my equipment better and how to edit better. And I, I'm really proud of the work that I created. Even back then, I look back at like some of the first weddings that I shot in my first few years of shooting. And I'm like, wow, you're still better. than Those are better than a lot of wedding photos I see of people today still. Unfortunately for me, this did not last long. A week before senior year was about to start, my dad got a super amazing job and he just could not turn it down. So what did we have to do? We had to move again. Awesome. 
So we pick up and move literally like two days before senior year starts to Richmond, Virginia. I had never even been to the East Coast. It is so different than the West Coast. <laughs> they dress different. They talk different. The lingo's different. I was devastated, but I knew that my parents, we'd gone through a lot. And I knew that like this was such a good opportunity for my dad. And my parents had made so many sacrifices that I was like, you know what? I got to suck this up and we just have to do this as a family. Luckily, like I said, I had already kind of built a name for myself in the photography world. And a lot of my clients would fly me back to Arizona to shoot their weddings. And I used that money that I was making to fly back. I went to prom still with my best friend, Billy. And I got us, I, I flew back to see graduation with all my friends. So honestly, in my mind, like if I were to go to a high school graduation, I mean, a, a high school reunion, I would go there. Like I still felt like I went there senior year, weirdly. My senior year in Virginia is literally a blur. I made little to no friends. I was so content with my friends in Arizona. And I felt like I had finally moved past all of this bullying about being gay. I was so scared moving to this new place that the bullying was just gonna like start all over again. And so I just didn't talk much. I kept to myself. Once I graduated in Virginia, literally like the next day I moved back to Utah. I moved into my grandparents' basement. They had like a basement apartment. That's kind of what all my siblings did after they graduated high school. And it was just kind of the easiest meal ticket to like get out of the house. And for me, it was the easiest meal ticket back to the West Coast. Most of my clients being Mormon, I obviously had like a huge client list already in Utah for wedding photography. And a lot of my friends that I went to high school with in Gilbert were going to college in Utah because... That's pretty much what all Mormons do. So it just, it worked out. It was at this point that my wedding photography business really started to take off. I got so many amazing opportunities. It was so fun. I really actually did enjoy, I loved shooting weddings and I was getting flown all over to shoot just the most gorgeous, <laughs> cool weddings. I went to Hawaii, Costa Rica, Aruba, Greece, Bahamas, Italy. I, I, I've been all over and I've got to see so much of the world because of this. I'm so thankful. And I was making great money. I was 18, 19. And this money gave me so much independence that I think was really essential for me to finally come out of the closet. So I moved to Utah after graduation in June. And I didn't come out until after I got my own apartment in Utah. I think it was that fall, maybe like October. I just know I didn't want to come out while living in my grandparents' basement because my grandparents were on a Mormon mission, literally, while I lived with them. Imagine being an 18-year-old gay person in the closet living with your Mormon grandparents in their basement while they are on a Mormon mission. It was not easy. Oh, and at the same time is when I started dating my first boyfriend. So I was out to like a few of my friends, just not my grandparents yet. <laughs> I would sneak him into my grandparents' house. Thinking back, I think I was just so excited that I had finally started the process of coming out and that I had a boy that I liked. So I didn't really think that smart about the risks. But if my grandparents would have walked in on me and a boy in their house, oh my gosh, I can't even believe that I did that. So I got my own apartment and I finally came out. I was 18 and I just finally got to this point in my life where I could not live a lie. I didn't care what anyone thought. I was making great money. I was paying for all my own bills. I was like, you know what? If anyone has an issue with this, I'm happy to never see you again. Don't get me wrong. I for sure made my fair share of mistakes when coming out. I came out to most people via text message. Ooh. And I just... I just couldn't get myself to have those hard conversations in person or over the phone because I was so scared of 
people saying the wrong thing to me in response or that like I would say the wrong thing to them or that I would get interrupted or emotional. I just didn't want anyone to say anything that they would maybe regret. It was not easy. It, it definitely could have gone worse. I realized that. I'm really thankful that over time, things have gotten a lot easier, especially with my family and they've become more accepting. And, you know, at first when I came out, I was told, you know, marriage isn't just about sexual attraction and the church has therapy that you can go to for this. And if I married a guy that they wouldn't come and I, it, it was not easy. I feel like I may be painting it out to be like, oh, I came out over text and whatever. It was fine. It, I, it was definitely traumatizing. Um, <laughs> my parents have apologized and we've had a lot of conversations since then, um, which is nice. And I feel like maybe soon I'll do an episode like more like fully in depth of the whole process of growing up Mormon and coming out and all of that. But that might be a little bit more of an emotional episode. So today I'm just going to keep it light and breezy. <laughs> I feel like most people with big families and especially Mormons are super close with their families. And to be honest, I just was never really like that. My parents were always my parents. They were super hard on me and my siblings. And honestly, to be fair, like we kind of put them through a lot. <laughs> and we, I don't know, we were just never like quote unquote friends. Like people that are like besties with their parents. I'm like, wow, good for you. Because that was not the case to me. And that was not normal to me at all. Same with my siblings. I think because there were so many of us and we are really close in age, we just fought so much we were always living in like from seventh grade on we were always living in super tight quarters money was always super tight we all had to get jobs and so we just fought we were always just going through it I always shared a room I shared a room up until I was a senior in high school I had literally bunk beds and that just added to it like I love interior design I'm obviously gay <laughs> and I'm a clean freak, especially when I was growing up. I ironed my clothes before school every single day. I think it was like one of the looking back and like reflecting on it now, I think maybe it was because it was like one of the only things I felt like I could control in my life was what I put on my body, how like I choose to present myself and my bedroom. Like my bedroom was, even though I shared it, it was like, that was my space. And my brother, my brothers never cared about anything. So it didn't matter which brother I was sharing a room with. I painted that wall. I distressed our furniture. I rearranged the room every week. I did whatever I wanted. That was my room. He was just living in there rent free. But that being said, literally 16, 15, 14 year old straight boys. You're disgusting. Shower. There would be nights where literally my brother's feet would smell so bad that I could not fall asleep. Like, I would beg him. I would beg him. I would be, please, go wash your feet. I cannot even sleep. The stench is so bad. And he'd be like, I don't smell a thing. I don't care. Night. And I'm like, oh, my God. So... Let's just say I'm, I'm I'm not really that close with any of my siblings either. That kind of helped the coming out process because I truly, it obviously would have been sad. And I love my family. I know that if I need them for anything or when push comes to shove, like we are a family and they would be there for me. But when I decided to finally come out, I had reached this phase where I was like, we're not even friends I'm paying for all my own bills. And so if I'm choosing to live authentically and be myself and do this and you guys have literally anything negative to say, 
good riddance. Goodbye. Because we already don't get along. So if you're going to make my life even harder, then I'm just not going to have a relationship with you guys at all. Like I said, we we're fine now. They're all like good with me being gay. I've been home since I graduated, yada, yada, yada. So after about a year of living in Utah and coming out and finding myself, I was like, yeah, I got to go. I got to get out of Utah. (laughs) I need to be near the gays. I need to be near the beach. I need warmth. I am itching for growth. I wanted to expand my career and life. I wanted to fall in love. I needed Los Angeles. I needed Hollywood, baby. I had just gone through my first breakup and I was actually in a very dark space. Like I was wrecked. Looking back, I think it was just so much change and growth in a year that literally no one could have prepared me for. I I had never seen gays at all. I didn't know one gay person growing up. And so like basically the first gay person in my life was like then my boyfriend. Anyways, so I was in a really dark place and I needed to get out of Utah. I needed a change. And thank God for my friends who are like family to me, the Gillilands. Special shout out to y'all. I will be forever grateful. They let me move into their house on Bubble Island in Newport Beach. Well, I was getting back to a happy space. I was working on my mental health and I was saving money. Finally, I got my first apartment in LA. I lived with them for like five months. And honestly, it was some of the best times of my life. It was this in-between phase of being a kid, being in high school, and this newfound adult freedom and being free and finding myself with my sexuality. We were menaces on that island. We called ourselves the Balboa Bandits because we just burked around all day and night. Like we had no responsibilities, no care in the world. And it was so fun. So after the five months, I saved up enough. I got my first apartment in LA and I've been here ever since. And I do not plan on leaving anytime soon. I just love it so much. This is the only place that I've ever felt truly at home. And I can literally be on vacation in the Bahamas or in Italy. And I'm still ecstatic when I get home, when I get to my apartment, when I'm on the plane back home and I see the ocean or downtown LA. It's like a breath of fresh air. I just am always so happy to come back here. And if you don't feel that way about where you live, hustle and work your ass off and get out immediately because everyone deserves to feel at home in their home. And that might sound like Duh, but it's not duh for a lot of people. And obviously I know like money and relationships and family, it all goes into factors, but take control of your life and just make sure that you are so happy and content with where you live because life is already hard enough and we're going to have trials no matter where you live. If you love where you live, it makes life a lot easier. Once I moved to LA, that's kind of when Instagram influencers became a thing. And I had already built up this following from traveling all those places to shoot weddings. And it was just a natural progression to start content creating for brands. Let's be honest. Once I realized that I could make the same amount of money and or way more by shooting self-portraits and creating ads for brands versus these long-ass wedding days and traveling and dealing with bridezillas and their moms and the family photos, all that. I was like, "Mm, I'm going to go that route. And I've been doing it full-time ever since. (laughs) Instagram obviously isn't like what I want to do forever. I'm so thankful for all the opportunities that has brought me. It's truly such an amazing platform. I've met so many of my best friends through it that are lifelong friends that I've been friends with for over a decade all through this platform. And 
I've been able to see the world and meet so many amazing people and work with some of the most amazing brands. I'm just, I really am. I'm so grateful to it. Don't get me wrong. I've got a lot of other goals and dreams and aspirations for my career outside of social media. Let's see. I'm excited to tell you about them as they come to fruition. Over the last seven years in LA, I have seriously cultivated the most amazing chosen family. I sound so like sappy <laughs> sitting here just talking about how blessed I feel. But you know what? I think it's it's important to express gratitude. And I'm just so grateful to everyone in my life. Not to say that it was easy or that it happened quick. Like I said, I've been here for seven years. And just finally this last year, I feel like I've really solidified my core group of people around me. Not to say that some might come and go. Um, hopefully none of them go. Hopefully I just grow on this foundation. But I really am just so happy with my crew here in LA. And I'm so excited to have some of them as guests on the podcast soon. And I'm sure you guys will hear many, many stories about our adventures here in LA. It's so crazy to sit here and say all this out loud by myself in my room. It's just been so long since I've talked about this all and really given like a detailed timeline of my life. I feel like I very rarely do this. I can't help but reflect on what I thought I would be doing at 26 and compare it to where I'm at. I am so happy with where I'm at and the man that I'm going to be. I've learned so much about money and life and love and heartbreak. And I'm learning every day. I'm ready. Universe, give me what you got. My advice so far in life is make mistakes and learn from your mistakes. Let's try and learn from the mistakes the first time because I have a very hard time with that. <laughs> I'm trying so hard to make sure that I'm learning from my mistake the first time because if you're not changing your decisions or changing your path, then you're not going to change the outcome. That is going to happen to you again and again. And take risks. Freaking text the boy back. Who cares if you're texting him first? Uh, quit your job. Release the trade, as Beyonce said. No, but really, just like take risks and... If you, if you want to start a podcast, start a podcast. Look at me. I'm taking a risk. My goals for 26 are to party less. <laughs> and let's start having more intimate nights with one another. Please, please, please. I need to stop going out, blacking out, ripping shots at the same three bars, listening to Ariana Grande Friday through Sunday. I My body literally physically cannot do it anymore. I'm over the hump. I'm 26. And everyone always said to me, like, once you get past 25, like, hangovers are different. And let me just tell you, they are correct. I'm not kidding. Like, the day after my 25th birthday, I was like, oh, this is this is what they were warning me about. I'm starting to see the fine lines in my face. I'm just like, shit, I took that for granted. No, but I really do. I just want to start having more, like, intimate nights with smaller groups of friends. I want to have game nights and dinner parties and it's not even about the drinking because let's be honest, I will be drinking at game night, 100%. It's more about just getting out of that routine of, yeah, like I said, going to all the same bars every weekend. It's the same people that you don't even care about. If you do anything repeatedly and like so much, then obviously it's not going to be as fun. So I'm still going to go out. I still want to go out. You know, tequila ain't going anywhere, but I do want to make sure that I'm not getting lost in this like bar party scene that I am cultivating these like magical nights and moments with my core group of actual friends. Like I want to go camping. Shocker. I know I might not look like a camper, but I grew up as a boy scout of America. Okay. <laughs> I grew up going to scout camp and I always hated it. And I thought it was because I just like was a diva and gay and I didn't like camping and bugs and whatever, blah, blah. blah. But looking back, it's because all the boys called me faggot. 
and they used to make fun of me and tease me and no one was friendly with me. And so I just always felt so awkward and alone on these like camping trips. But now the thought of going camping, I'm sorry, it sounds amazing. It's A, a sleepover with your best friends. Like when do you get to do that when you're 26? And you're in nature. I have really grown to appreciate nature the older I get. It's like the world is just so beautiful. And I feel like when you live in a big city like LA, like we do have so much nature around us, but Every time you can kind of get out and be with nature, you're just like, oh, it's a breath of fresh air. And so to be at a sleepover with all your best friends in the middle of nature and there's like hot dogs and s'mores. Sorry, I love a hot dog. Reminds me of the 4th of July. (laughs) And I love s'mores. And so I'm just like, wow, okay. I really, I've been saying this for a few years to my friends that like camping has been on my summer bucket list, but this is the year I'm really doing it. I'm taking Rita the Wrangler out. I'm going off-roading. I'm going into nature. And if you'd like to come, hit me up. This is also the year I'm really going to try harder. And, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself out there. I'm going to put myself out there with dating. Okay? And I'm going to need y'all to hold me accountable to this. Because I am so painfully awkward and anxious when putting myself out there. I, I just, I'm a super closed-off person when it comes to dating. Like, I'll be at the bar living my life. And if someone even gives me eyes, like, or like thinks, if I think they're flirting with me, I immediately shut down. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I gotta go, I gotta go. Jose, come grab me. I'm just like, I I don't know, I just get so awkward. Even if I think they're cute or if I like, like them or if it's someone I have a crush on, like, I just turn into a feral human being. (laughs) And I gotta stop that. I gotta push my insecurities aside and really put myself out there. And I'm, I'm putting that into the universe for 26. Obviously, another huge goal for me this year is to really put a lot into this podcast. I am really excited to see where this goes and I just feel I feel like I've said grateful so much in this podcast but I don't know I just do I feel so grateful to all of you for supporting me in all of my adventures please 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 feel free to send me dms or emails with any ideas that you guys have for the podcast or if you have specific guests that you want me to bring on or if you just want to say hi and chat feel free to send me a dm Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week. Bye.